You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Happy Saturday afternoon, folks. This is Matt Minnick and Michael Rogner coming to you on the uh, Tomahawk Nation Hoops Dedicated Podcast. Coming after a big, a big Miami win. That's a sweep, a, se- a season sweep of the Miami Hurricanes. Go ahead and hit the uh, explicit button on this one, Rogner, because fuck Miami, fuck, fuck <laughs> Miami. Never, never uh, going to miss up a chance to, pa- uh, to say that. Uh, we got a good episode, I think, coming here because uh, another Saturday, Monday uh, turnaround, quick turnaround for Florida State. So we, we just had a blowout 99 to 81 victory over the Hurricanes uh, from down south. We, uh, we have Duke coming up in, gosh, about uh, maybe 30 hours or, or 36 hours or so from now. And then um, we've also had, there was a selection kind of midseason reveal from the NCAA tournament uh, committee some news and notes on some recruits uh, and some other updates. So, so it's a pretty, a pretty good little Saturday we got uh, here, Michael. How, how do you think about the game? I, I was not happy at all during the first half, but the, but then the second half was was a whole lot of fun. And you know, now that I've had, uh, you know, it's like an hour or two after the game now. Now that I've had a little time to kind of think about it and think about what Ham was doing, I'm I'm a lot happier about the game game now. You know, I, I think that that. FSU not only played well, but also kind of accomplished, uh, you know, what they needed to accomplish heading into a big Duke game where all of the players could have, you know, very easily, uh, you know, overlooked Miami and, and, and been all fired up for Duke and Florida State could have come out flat. You know, we obviously didn't do that. The offense was was really just humming the whole game. The defense sucked in the first half. 
but we got some got some issues sorted out, which we can talk about um, in, the, in the second half. So, so that, that was good to see, and it's always it's always fun to beat Miami. That's five straight over Miami, and I think seven of the last eight. Um, so six six straight against Florida, five straight against Miami. You know, it's 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 a it's a good place to be for for a Seminole fan. It is. I mean. FSU has owned uh, the University of Florida lately. Was it five five straight over over Mike White and the Fighting Gators, who appear to be heading for a, another loss today? Thanks for nothing, uh, UF, on the strength of schedule there. Uh, we really owned Jim Laranega and Miami, particularly since uh, they got kind of caught red-handed with uh, in the cookie jar there with some of the Adidas scandal stuff. And then you know we've also owned Clemson of late as well. So certainly, certainly doing doing a number on the rivalries on, on the hard court. Um, let's, let's jump in with a few things on the mat. You talked about the adjustment that Florida state made on defense. So the, the first half, I'll just hit you with a couple of numbers here. Uh, this is Miami's shooting in the first half, right? 16 for 31 uh, for a smoking 51.6%. Uh, should be noted that Florida State was actually 58% in the first half. So even, even uh, scorching the nets even more. But Miami also uh, took 12 free throws there in the first half, um, you know, 11 for 12 from the line, and they were shooting 40% from three. All that led to a 50 to 49 uh, – or 50 to 47, excuse me, barn burner at halftime. What was uh, Miami able to find success in in the first half? And then – so then the second half, Miami shoots 30% from the field, just 10 of 33. What, what kind of adjustments was Leonard Hamilton uh, and company able to make? Yeah, that first half, Miami did a good job. You know, basically, the, the, the game plan that we've seen against Florida State all year is spread them out, attack off the drive, hope, hope that you don't turn the ball over 100 times against, against FSU's pressure. Miami did, did a good job. Uh, you know, not turning the ball over. I think they had uh, six turnovers in the in the first half, and compare yeah. that. And they only that. had thirteen in the game on a yeah. seventy-eight possession game, so really, really not that bad. Yeah, and so because uh, Likes only played twenty minutes, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, he, I loved it when he came in and he immediately turns the ball. Immediate over. turnover, yeah. 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 But uh, he's so, so great, Michael. He's such a he's so great. You can hear he is. He is one of the best. Five seven basketball players in the country. I will give him that. Yeah, I'll say this: he is the best five seven basketball player on Miami's roster. So Absolutely, easily. yeah, yeah. yeah easily. Uh, I'll give him that without without thinking too deeply about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so so Miami, uh, you know, spread Florida State out. They just abused FSU on the on the drive dribble drive. They led to a lot of fouls. They made fifty seven percent of their twos and. So in the in the second half, you know, and that, and that's you know one thing that we've talked about before is that even when Florida State's defense is elite, which it's not this year, it's good, you know, but but it's but it's certainly not elite. You, the Hamilton defense is always going to give up a lot, you know, of dribble drives, and it's just because the the defense is designed to really make other teams uncomfortable. It's designed to take them out of out of what they want to do. Um, and, you know, it's not a gap defense like like. Uh, you know, Virginia, that's really designed to take everything away, you know, uh, you know, take all those drives away to the rim. So we're always just going to have to live with some of that stuff. It should never be as bad as it was against uh, Miami today in the first half. So then in the second half, um, he, he came out and we were, we were playing off the ball a little bit. You know, we kind of shrunk the defense down a little bit. 
and Miami, <laughs> excuse me, Miami just really didn't have uh, the right adjustment. I thought that Miami was going to come out and take a ton of threes in the second half. They really didn't do that until they got down. I forget if it was like 10 or 12 and, you know, then suddenly they start shooting threes, but the drive, you know, just playing that extra step uh, closer to the basket, uh, the drives just weren't there for Miami. They, they really struggled to, you know, even get to the rim in the second half. They hardly made any twos and, and, and Florida state, it, it was a, what was it? An 18 point win. And it, and it probably could have been, you know, 25 or, or 30. Yeah. If, if Florida state could have somehow, there's just a lot of those little, you know, like loose balls that ended up, you know, weird bounce into Miami and then they hit mm-hmm. a three or it, it a couple of stayed. missed layups and dunks by some FSU bigs who yeah. I don't know if we'll talk about it or not, but frankly, I thought they stunk, but yeah, but yeah we'll, we'll, we'll hold off for a minute on that. Um, but yeah, so the the adjustment was there. The offense uh, uh, pretty much torched Miami the entire game. So it was really that defensive adjustment that we made in the second half that 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 changed the changed the course of the game. Do you think it's an adjustment that um, that would maybe be seen again? You know, it's something that I probably would have liked to have seen against UVA when when another uh, diminutive point guard was was taking our guys off the dribble. Is that an adjustment that maybe you'd look to see again, let's say against um, a Pittsburgh or perhaps uh, Boston College coming up? Yeah, yeah I, I remember complaining about it against Virginia about not making any changes in the second half. And, you know, the, the, this game, he Ham clearly did. So, you know, well, kudos. he's clearly been listening to the podcast. Exactly, I right. That's, a, that's what I was going to say. It's not kudos to Ham for making the adjustment, but kudos to Ham for listening to the podcast. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a good point there. Um, let's go to the FSU offense then. Um, I mean, <laughs> what, what – when a team shoots, let's see, 53% from the game, 13 of 26 from three, I'd like to see them still shoot a little more free throws. We, we, got, we lost the free throw rate battle again, I think, um, although this was better, but 16 of 17 from the line. What, other than perhaps – let me ask you this. How good was FSU's uh, wings and guards in this game? Uh, in terms of just what they were able to do both off the dribble and and from distance yeah it's hard to it's hard to pick a bad um effort in this game you know or, or bad ex- execution by any of those guys i mean polite had a had a little bit of a rough go turning the ball over didn't didn't make the the one or two threes that he that he did take um but then he also grabbed like eight eight rebounds so you know he yeah. he he wasn't the star of the game, but he did play well. But you know, Wyatt Wilkes comes in, you know, drains another three threes, and and I don't yeah, know if Wyatt that guy in the tuck. He he certainly has some confidence. Yeah, I don't know if that guy ever hits the rim. It's like it's always it's a good point. It's a swish or an air ball. <laughs> you know, he he always hits net. Sometimes right. it doesn't go through the basket though. Right. Yeah. It's 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 a it's a special skill he has. So maybe we maybe you can talk to him after a game and and and, and figure out what's going on there. But Patrick Williams, you know, obviously had had a, a, another really great game. Um, he did get held out for ten minutes in the first half with foul trouble, mm-hmm. but you know, he, he still played. He play, played well in the, in the second half along with Devin Vassell. You know, Vassell didn't really do much in the first half, and and comes out and has a really big second half. MJ, I thought was was big. You know, from the from the tip, 
you know, as was, as was Forrest, you know, so it's just and the MJ three from about 38 feet really seemed to get him going and get, and kind of get some of his rhythm back the, the late shot clock three that he made. Yeah. I know you didn't see the game cause you were there, but the, the, on the coverage, they were basically showing MJ and then the background is, is Dalvin and, uh, uh, what's his name? Gronkowski. Gronk. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Sitting there celebrating, you know, laughing at, at uh, MJ hitting that three. Yeah, that, that was a, that was a big possession. You know, every, we were getting no stops against Miami and, mm-hmm. and Florida State. Just had to keep scoring, keep scoring, and then you bury, you know, that thirty footer. So that was that was that was fun. Ch- changing gears slightly, but keeping on uh, on the FSU Miami game. So the bench, uh, we scored ninety nine points. The bench scored fifty four. Uh, and and it's not like we you know it's not like Devin came off the bench for this game right like th- this was the standard starters for Florida State and the bench scored 54 of the 99 and and more even more than that the so I'm looking at the numbers here Trent Forrest played 23 minutes it's got to be one of his lowest of the season or one of his lowest of the season Devin Vassell only played 24 minutes um, Patrick Williams part of this was foul trouble but played 19 Malik Osborne played didn't even play 12 minutes. Uh, and MJ was actually the the high the high minute guy here with thirty, but even that is is down. I I asked Hamilton after the game about kind of the toll that these Saturday Mondays uh, take on these guys. He, he had some interesting words. You should go back and if you're listening to the podcast, go back to the gamer that uh, Brett uh, for Tom Out Nation knew. Uh, Brett's been doing a great job for us on the baseball, but he put up the gamer. And and I'll have the videos in there of Hamilton. I had some interesting things to say about the the Saturday Monday. Did it look to you like Hamilton was was actively trying to steal minutes and and see if you know maybe he could do one of those old like Jimbo passing scrimmages and you know get a win in ACC play while also rest guys for the big game on Monday. Yeah, I would, watching the game, I, I kept looking up and wondering why Trent's on the bench every time. Every time I look up, you know, <laughs> you know, especially in a, in a relatively close game, uh, though we, you know, though Miami was clearly overwhelmed there in the second half. Uh, you know, part of that is that, or part of what enables that is was Raekwon Evans. He played great, and and how Best about game of that, the year, I think, for him. Yeah, how about that putback jam that he had? I mean, that. I don't you know think what? a lot of people that, knew that he had that. I, you know, he, he could do that on his tape. We talked about him being a slasher coming out of Juco. And, on, you know, we're talking about a kid here that tore his hamstring, not just got hurt, but missed all of summer. Pre- like, I think he was out three months. And, and listen, I, I hurt my hamstring back uh, in college running track. And that is not something that your body just bounces back from, it, not only uh, physically, but mentally. But today was one of the first times where you really saw like, wow, that guy can be an explosive player in our system. Yeah. He, he, he kind of reminds me a little bit of, uh, um, let's see here. Uh, the, the, I'm totally spacing the point guard you picked, um, in our, in our, in our draft a few years ago. Um, Oh, uh, Derwin kitchen. Yeah. Um, so I I was even thinking some Jason rich too, a little bit of Jason Rich in his game. Yeah. He's like more explosive than Derwin. Um, Mm -hmm. not, not quite as as, as thick maybe as uh, rich. Yeah. As rich, but, but yeah, the, the, the staff expected, 
big things out of him. And I mean, he's always going to be the backup. So, I mean, we should be clear on that. But but the all- backup, I think, maybe playing 15 minutes a game, not playing seven. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think the, the staff sort of envisioned this game or a version of this game. He also he also played pretty well against Virginia Tech and in and, and extended minutes. So you, you can see, you know, why the staff recruited him and, and, and why he's he, – he, uh, you know, is get, getting more minutes, but it does enable uh, just more flexibility, especially when you have this really quick turnaround against Duke, and it allowed Trent to basically play his fewest minutes in ACC play, and Vassell, you know, I think only played like a minute more. So, yeah, it, it, that was good to see, and and it's great to see Ray, Raekwon healthy, and and anytime you you get a put back like that, you're you're going to get some TV time. So good for him. Do Do you want? Obviously, I think this is a very different conversation if Florida State does not win this basketball game. But but they did, right? They won by 18. They covered the spread. Um, <laughs> sorry to one of my I, – I got a buddy that's – actually, he's a really good uh, – he, he knows a lot of kind of deep stats and weight, makes wagers, especially now that it's legal. And um, I, I, I think I cost him some money on this one because I thought with likes – when I saw likes warming up, I thought for sure that Miami would cover the 15. Uh, they still might have had the Green Vipers not made two threes there in the last minute, but um, yeah, shout out to to Travis Light and Harrison Prieto for absolutely for bringing it. There, uh, really scorching the nets is so. Given how this all played out, I mean, is it is this what you want to see from a veteran coach who understands the grind of ACC basketball? Would you want to see him trying to see if we can get wins while buying guys minutes? Yeah, he he clearly knows more about basketball than me you know I was I was pulling my hair out a little bit when when he the way that he was managing the rotation and and now that I've had an hour to think about it it's it's pretty clear what he was doing and it was it was it was the right move you know I I I wrote early on in the game that that Miami was not going to continue to make all the crazy shots that that they were making especially early and I think Ham kind of saw the same thing that that his team eventually was going to start getting stops and he would he would uh, had even with his backups on the floor, Florida State is better than than Miami with their starters, um, especially yeah. with Miami kind of dinged up a little bit. So he knew what he was doing. He knew he knew that the game was in hand, even though we were only up three in the first half. So, so I think kudos. at home it helps too, right? Like being able to do this at home versus on the road. Absolutely, you know, you guys have have a have haven't lost in, in a long time at home. And you know they've they've developed a very a well-earned reputation for for playing well at home and and barring something it would have taken something really weird, you know in in retrospect or look you know hindsight's twenty twenty but it would take something really weird for Miami to have won this game. Yeah, I I think I'm in complete agreement. I I, I think we saw so the UNC game last Monday. Uh, was a Saturday Monday turnaround. Florida State's got a couple of these um, this year, and they just happened to be, as as Ham pointed out in the in his presser, very uh, eloquently, that just coincidence that the second game for us is of these three turnarounds is UNC, Duke, and Louisville. Um, I I think that was a game in which we saw what tired legs looks like on this team. Uh, you know, uh, guys who are being asked on defense to sell out and generate. Pos- you know, turnovers and blocks on, you know, more than a quarter of the possessions of the opponent. And you saw what tired shooting looked like in, in how poorly we shot the ball on Monday against UNC. And, and I really do think that, you know, you do that in Cameron and you get blown out. So yeah. I, I agree. Kudos to Hammond staff for, for a 
trusting his guys to get it done and B having the bench developed and ready and cultivating that uh, confidence in them that they could come in and, and have the kind of uh, days that they did. Yeah. And for the conspiracy theorists in the room, I should note that, that Duke and UNC both only have two of those short turnarounds and Duke you'll remember was the one ACC team that didn't have to open the year against an ACC opponent. So they're actually squeezing right. one more game into the same time period that, that everybody else is, uh, you right. know, had already had already already played two games. They had only played one. So uh, Duke also the, has that uh, really grinding nine mile trip home uh, tonight after their game against Carolina to that that road trip home of nine miles before they get to start preparing for Florida State. So. Yeah, that's gonna be rough, especially if they don't hit all the traffic lights. So yeah, yeah. Well, they have. I think they've got the uh, cop. You know. The, oh, the yeah, cops right. leading the way too. Yeah. yeah, it's just a smooth. It's like eight minutes home. Right, which really is how it should be. I mean, Duke deserves a, a, a police escort everywhere they go. Yeah, for sure. Um, so let's let's totally change gears here. Although, or although Duke could still be in this next conversation. Um, I don't know if you if you caught this today. I'm guessing you do, since you pretty much only watch uh, college basketball on Saturdays. But the the NCAA committee released their kind of mid-season reveal uh, of the – they only do the top four seeds. Uh, so they, they do the one through four seeds in each of the kind of south, midwest, west, and east brackets. And for the second time – now they've been doing it since 2017. Uh, for the second time, Florida State was included in this, um, in this mid-season reveal. In 2017, Florida State was a two-seed at, at the – whatever it's not really the halfway point but whatever this early february point is uh two-thirds point they ended up being a three seed that year um historically speaking teams that are in this mid-season reveal do typically stay almost all i think all of them have can have actually made the tournament there hasn't been a team that has fallen completely out of the tournament most of the teams stay in that top four maybe they slip to the five seed um this year florida state grabs a three seed and they are um, they're right there in the mid kind of three seed pack. So they they were tenth on the S curve scale. Uh, this was before the Miami game, uh, and so they they were that kind of second three seed, if you will, with uh, Maryland and West Virginia being right ahead of them on the S curve, and Seton Hall and Villanova being right below them. Um, Duke was in it as the top two seed. Louisville's also a two seed above Florida State, as you know. Florida State beat Louisville. Did you have any thoughts coming away with this? Or, or I mean, is this something that you'd be kind of happy with if this was uh, how it turned out in March? Yeah, I thought that Florida State would be a three. Um, I, was, I was hoping that they would be the highest three rather than – than the, I mean, but that's, that's picking nits at this point. I thought West so Virginia – So one, one spot higher in Maryland spot, I guess. Yeah, I thought West Virginia – I was a little surprised they were two. Um, but then they lost today, so they, they will no longer be a two. Uh, so so Florida State will be yeah they got beat pretty bad right yeah by by uh, Oklahoma which is mm, not a very good probably basketball not even a team. tournament team right yeah so so that's that's good news I, I I want Florida State to be a two seed you know Florida State's mm-hmm. never been never been a two seed I'd really like to see that happen uh, you know the 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 math is a little better for two seeds than it is for three seeds so you, you know you obviously want to certainly be the first round math is a lot better. Yeah, but I, I think the the take home for me from the reveal is that there wasn't something funny happening like 
the reveal comes out and Florida State's like the third, fourth seed or something, you know, something just, sure. you know, that, that, that I think is the fear. So, so bracket matrix, which we follow along, seems to have Florida State pegged in, in the right spot. I mean, it's in the exact spot that, that, that this reveal showed. So I, th- I think we have some, some relatively trustworthy data, you know, just following bracket matrix to, to, uh, you know, to, to, to the finish line into the ACC tournament to see where Florida State's going to be. The, what, what do you think? And I don't mind, I'll, maybe I'll take a stab at this too. I've been sort of an amateur. I've never actually put together a bracketology, but I've definitely followed it deeply for a long time. All those years of FSU on the bubble really kind of made me a bit of an RPI and now net um, expert, I suppose. What, um, if you if you want to go back, we don't even use the RPI anymore, but that series on Tomahawk Nation a couple of years ago on the RPI was a great look at how that and even the net, which is sort of a derivative of the RPI, can really be manipulated. If you ever uh, want to go back and look at that. Um, you want FSU to be a two. I want FSU to be a two. I think one a one seed's probably off the table at this point, unless maybe Florida State won literally the rest of their games. Um, do you think Florida State needs to win Monday against Duke in order – like, can they lose against Duke and still get the get a two seed? Yeah, it'll be tough. I mean, Florida State <laughs> lo- losing at Duke is not going to be – you know, it's, it's, it's not a it tough loss. Right, it's not going to hurt. I mean, they, they, they might drop a spot or something. It's, 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 not, it's not a big yeah. deal. But you also have to pick up really big wins to get to, get to the two line. The one line, the, the – when they made the announcement, they did say that the the four teams on the one line, there's a significant break between them and the two seeds. So unless something, and just, fun- I don't think I've said them actually. So the four teams for folks that aren't sitting at a computer right now are Baylor, Kansas, Gonzaga, San Diego State. In that order are the four uh, one seeds. Yeah, and San Diego State plays nobody, so it's 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 if they lose, it'll they're going to be a one but, seed if they go undefeated. Yeah, and yeah. Gonzaga doesn't play a lot. They play at St. Mary's tonight, which which they've had some trouble there in the past. But I, I you know I just don't see them really losing that game. So yeah, the one seeds are are, are pretty clear. So we we want the two seeds to lose. Uh, we obviously want Florida State to keep winning, but. But in order to move up, you know, the two seeds need to need to lose, and two of those teams are are in the ACC. So there's not mm-hmm. there's just not a lot of a wiggle room for good things to happen outside of Florida State's control. Control, I think, for Florida State to 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 sort of push their way into the two seed, they're going to have to do it themselves. You know, and it's not going to be because of other teams losing. It's because we beat Duke, or you know, we beat Louisville, and then. Beat beat Louisville or Duke in the ACC tournament, or so, you know something like that. It's going to take a couple big wins and no bad losses going down the stretch. Yeah, this is sort of the byproduct of the ACC being down, right? Like on the plus side, Florida State's twenty and three. We we really don't have a lot of like you look at the home schedule and outside of the Louisville game, maybe Syracuse. I don't know. They've they've, they've seemed to have shot well in spurts, but. There's not a lot of games where you feel like, great, we just this is a loss, you know, coming in, this is an L. But on the on the downside, like you're saying, there's not a lot of opportunities to really build that heft up at the top of your resume. And unfortunately, um, Purdue, who it does look like they're going to pull pull out a road win against Indiana, which is a bit surprising. Um, Purdue has kind of been up and down, and that's that's supposed to be one of the feathers on Florida State's uh, cap this year. 
UF is doing their standard underachieving under Mike White. So as much as it sucks to root for the Gators, like, you know, if UF were, let's say, a four seed, Florida State would have a better resume right now that would maybe make them a two seed. And, and that's why you see a team like Louisville, who did in fact lose at home to Florida State, but as a couple spots ahead on the S curve. So I, I'm with you in that. I don't think a loss to do hurts, but you sort of just miss out on one of your few remaining opportunities. Uh, I, I do think, though, that a sweep of Louisville would be, would be big in the eyes of the committee. I think if you're able to get a sweep and then, let's say, knock off Duke in the ACC tournament and get at least to the championship game, so that would give you uh, the road wins over UF and um, Louisville, the neutral site win over Purdue, Tennessee's fallen off a cliff, so don't even mention them. Uh, and then the, the second win over Louisville and, and the win over Duke on a neutral site or, or, you know, of course, in Cameron. But that would, I think, move the needle. Uh, but I, I don't know. Florida State, like you said, has work to do to get up there and, and, can't, and can't drop any of these winnable games at home. Yeah, and then you also have to – it's like how many games can we lose outside of Duke and Louisville? So say we beat Louisville, lose to Duke, beat Louisville. We still have to go at NC State, at Clemson, at Notre Dame. You know, So there's, there's some losable games. I think games. you can lose one of the – I think you can lose at NC State or at Notre Dame. And be, I mean, those are teams that have 14, 15 games. I, I don't know. Road, road wins – road losses are typically not frowned upon that heavily by the metrics or the committee. Uh, obviously, though, there's not a lot separating these two seeds and three seeds. So even something that's not frowned upon is a missed opportunity. All right. Um, why don't we take a break? Uh, Michael's going to go and, and watch some film on Duke real quick uh, and get ready for this next segment where we are going to be previewing the what is likely going to be a top 10 matchup between FSU and Duke uh, in Cameron on Monday night. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. We are back. Thanks for, uh, thanks for listening. Uh, if, if you're, I don't know, just tuning in, if somehow you, you skipped the Miami part, uh, we, we said that, you know, great offense and eh, defense with a wonderful uh, adjustment made by Hamilton at halftime. We talked about the selection reveal, and, and now we're looking ahead to, to Monday night in Cameron Indoor Stadium uh, against the Duke Blue Devils, who, who do still have a game to play between uh, this recording and then uh, they've got a they've got a matchup with UNC, uh, Michael. Just generally speak, last year Duke had the star power with Zion and R.J. Barrett, uh, Cam Reddish. We we saw them come into Tallahassee and win a, a fun, well played basketball game uh, at the buzzer on a three by Reddish. Um, what what does Duke look like this year? Yeah, the, the the one big player that they returned from that team is is Trey Jones. Yeah, he. Uh, was was did did not decide to to go pro after his freshman year. Probably a good idea. He couldn't shoot. Uh, this this year he can actually he can actually uh, he's made like thirty five percent a little a little less than that. 
Um, he's he's still running the team. He's a re- he's he's tough guard. He's 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 a good player. The, but the the problem with Duke is Vernon Carey. That guy is just a load. He he might be uh, the player of the year for the for the for the nation. Um, he's certainly first team all ACC. He's six ten, two seventy. You know, his dad was a was an offensive tackle in the NFL. You know, he's kind of he's kind of built the same way except taller. Um, he's just, he's just a really big guy, and he's he's got he's not Zion athletic, but he's 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 pretty athletic. And the you know the place that he's going to give Florida State trouble is that he is one of the best rebounders in the nation, and he's also there's only one player in the entire country that draws more fouls than Vernon Carey. Uh, you know, as you know, if, watch from the Miami game. Our bigs are not quite ready to 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 get in there and carve out space and battle and 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 take care of things one on one. So it's going to be one of those situations where when Florida State is game plan. I'm not sure which assistant gets the scout for for Duke, but when you know when Florida State is developing that game plan, are you selling out to stop Vernon Carey, or are you letting Vernon Carey kind of kind of get his and trying to stop Trey Jones and, and Cassius Stanley and Wendell Moore and you know all the all those other guys all those um, other five stars that they have yeah Tr- Tr- Trent is or Trent was the 70th rated player in the country you know which was a really really important recruit for Florida State to get somebody who was rated that high nationally and Florida or and Duke has eight guys who are who are rated you know more highly than Trent so they don't have Zion. They they don't have Cam Reddish and our and RJ Barrett. But this is this is an incredibly talented team. They still have three five stars and a bunch of a bunch of four stars that you know a couple of them hardly even play. So yeah, it's it's, it's a talented team. It's going to be a tough bet, and and Florida State's probably going to be a double digit underdog. So we sh- we shall see. Yeah, I the the. <laughs> The rebounding concerns of Vernon Carey are are real and they're spectacular. Um, I mean, we're talking about a guy that's grabbing thirteen percent of the misses that when he's on the court, and and almost thirty percent, like twenty six and a half percent of so grabbing thirteen percent of Duke's misses. I'm sorry, when he's on the court, oh twenty six and a half percent of the opponent's misses. So uh, for a team that like you talked, our, our bigs, they, they were not good against Miami. Um, they've had moments where they've been okay, but they, they certainly are not. It's, we don't have Biondu coming, coming off the bench. We don't have kind of just the sheer length and rim protection that Chris Kamaji provided for four years, really. I, I know that Kamaji got pushed out of the way a lot, maybe his freshman, sophomore year, but he still was always blocking shots and making someone think twice about going, going to the rim. Uh, we just don't have that this year. And I, so let me ask you what you asked, well, the, whoever has the scout for Florida state, you know, do you, do you swarm get carry and hope that the refs aren't calling it tight by the way, in Cameron against the guy who draws 7.8 fouls, uh, per 40 playing a team who loves to foul. Um, or do you, if, if you had the scout, is that, is that what you would say? Swarm carry and make the others beat us or uh, see if you can just let carry get his twos and, and hope maybe that we're, we're having a hot night from three and, and hope that nobody else really goes off for Duke. No, the, the thing that I like about uh, swarming carry, and this is probably where my, my scout would lead is that 
he he's so good rebounding out of his out of his zone you know there he gets a lot of rebounds that he has no business getting he's 270 he just he when he's jumping for rebounds and he's 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 making body contact with people it just is throwing everybody kind of out of their space and he's just able to to get a lot of rebounds that he that he has no business getting he's got really long arms um so if if we don't swarm him and we just leave him one on one then I think that he's just going to have that much more uh, freedom of space to uh, go and get, you know, get, get some of those rebounds. The great thing about swarming them is at least you've got bodies, you know, on at least two sides to, to try to keep them from, from cleaning up all, all those misses. Um, Duke is not a great shooting team. You know, Trey Jones is, you didn't even have to guard Trey Jones last year. He can shoot a little bit this year, but he's still not a, a great shooter. Cassius Stanley's not a great shooter. Uh, Matthew Hurt is is a problem. He's 6'9", freshman, uh, five-star. He He's made 40% of his threes. He You know, he, he can be a problem. They've got some guys who come off the bench that are probably better shooters than their starters. Yeah, Joey Baker. Um is, is one guy that, you know, if you're looking for that, like who's going to be the random guy off the bench who goes off and makes five threes. Yeah. So I, I think you've, you've got to try to take Vernon Carey, you know, do what you can against Carey and, and kind of hope that the refs aren't, you know, feeling particularly frisky with their whistles. They're going to let, you know, since Duke and Florida state are both really big athletic teams, maybe the refs will just let them play. Uh, you know, I, I'm not holding out hope for that but and then uh when florida state has the ball you know duke has a has a similar uh defensive style to florida state and that they're they're really trying to pressure people and you you have the opportunity to, to drive if you can you know they typically have nba athletes um you know five stars who who they count on to defend one-on-one so we really need trent and mj to be driving the ball and drawing fouls and, and, and making that defense collapse. And if, and then the, the, the silver or potential silver lining would be, you know, what if we can get Kerry into foul trouble because he's having to help off, you know, some, some of these other guys. Yeah. I, obviously foul trouble would be a, a huge difference maker in this game. Probably, probably for both teams, right? Like if, if someone like Devin Vassell or Trent Forrest gets into early foul trouble, that that's a huge problem for us. But yeah, if a Vernon Carey picks up a couple of quick ones or maybe three early in the second half, that's, that could be big. I wonder too about, uh, you mentioned that Duke's not a good shooting team. Uh, that kind of extends to the free throw line, particularly in some of their, like in their close games or losses. Um, and, and I know we are typically a free throw rate uh, is what we're talking about, but I, I think it's at least worth noting. I, I'm almost assuming that Florida state is going to send Duke to the law, to the line uh, <laughs> quite a few times. I, I would be surprised if Duke attempts fewer than 30 free throws uh, in this game um, or maybe I, Fewer than 25 would really surprise me, and I expect them to shoot closer to, to 30. Um, against Kansas, where they, they won by two points earlier in the year, Duke was 14 to 23 from the stripe, uh, so that's 60%. Uh, and then against uh, Stephen F. Austin, you know, every, the, Stephen F. Austin came in, and, and, you know, of course Duke was taking them light, uh, more lightly than they will a top-10 Florida State team. But, again, Duke got to the line 40 times. 
Uh, they made 24 right at that 60% uh, mark. And then against Clemson, which was on the road uh, in a game that really Duke has no business losing, but when you have freshmen that go on the road in ACC plays, sometimes things happen. And, and uh, Duke was 10 to 20. So, so they only shot 50% there. And I, I do think that, you know, I hate to rely on this, but if, if we're able to get a night where they're closer to 60% from the free throw line than they are 80% or 85%, that could be a big difference if if we are sending them to the line as often as I think we probably will. What about on when Florida State's on offense? Is there a player uh, that you expect to have maybe a mismatch or to you know Duke's a pretty shooter friendly gym to, uh, typically. Teams do you know they got good sight lines, good rims. Uh, is, is there something you'd be looking for 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 Florida State when they're on offense? Yeah, I think that that Raekwon Gray could have a good game. You know, that this should be his style of game. It's going to be up and down. Uh, there's some guys on Duke that he can he can kind of overpower a little bit, and then there's some if he can get some of the bigs on him, he can he can go by him. Same holds true for Patrick Williams. You know, this is this is. I think going to be his his style of game. So we're obviously going to see you know our big three of Forrest Vassell and MJ Walker. We you know we need all those to have good 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 games but the you know outside of those three I would say that Patrick Williams and and Raekwon Gray have the have the potential to you know be the difference makers in this game you know Duke has you know outside of Jones and Carey they have Cassius Stanley who was a borderline five star and and even though he's a freshman he's actually a year older than Devin Vassell I don't even know how that works but <laughs> he's the same age as Raycon Gray he's in his third year in the system uh Wendell Moore is is uh you know another five-star kid who good size hasn't hasn't been great this year has dealt with some injuries um but I I think that that Patrick Williams and Raycon Gray can could could pick on him maybe a little bit and then you know Matthew Hurt who's six nine and and you know weighs about 100 pounds there's there's potential for for you know Williams and Gray to to, to go at him as well, so the, so yeah there's some matchups there. If if Williams and Gray have, have both have good games, then I think you know I, I I like our chances. If we're not able to get uh, you know one of our role players to have a, have a big game, then you know Duke is probably rolling anyway. So we'll uh, we'll, we'll see if 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 PW or, or or Gray can kind of step it up for this. It's 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 you know, obviously going to be, be a big atmosphere for Williams, who's a freshman, but, but we'll see. Yeah. I, so I, two things I think that are interesting there that I, I like to, I, I kind of want to comment on Raekwon Gray. I totally, he, he could have a good game. I think this is a game that will suit his style and, and uh, you know, th- there's a lot of big bodies banging around. So I'm hopeful that he won't pick up some of those, I'm big, you're small fouls that he tends to get because he's going to be going against guys who are 230, 250, and in Vernon Carey's case, 270. Um, so I, 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 I like that call out. Patrick Williams uh, is interesting because, you know, he, he's from Charlotte. He's from West Charlotte. And uh, he actually, him and Wendell Moore uh, played a lot in high school. And for most of their careers, Wendell Moore was the guy that went to the um, – you know, higher economic uh, community school, and and he he was the one that kind of was on the AAU circuit more, the five star throughout, and and certainly Duke was on him early, but there were a lot of rumblings going into their senior year that actually he he might not even be the best player in Charlotte. Forget being the best player in North Carolina, and, and that 
that talk was coming from folks who were seeing Patrick Williams develop at a pretty rapid rate. You know, Patrick is a guy who's young for his class uh, and, and he really was starting to put all the tools together. Um, you know, I, I was talking to Pat about this uh, today and I don't, I don't want to put his business out there, but you get the sense that um, this game does mean something to him. And, and of course, on camera, folks are going to, they're well-trained and know what they need to say, but you do get the sense that this is a meaningful game for Pat Williams. Uh, he was not offered by Duke until very, very late in the process. And, um, you know, I, I don't think he was offered by UNC either. And if he was, it also was after sort of he'd already blown up on the scene his senior year. So I, I would be interested if, if Pat can stay out of early foul trouble and if he can keep some of the just like I want to show out, um, you know, jitters maybe down, I, I could see him really have a big game. He knows a lot of these guys and knows uh, how, how they, you know, some of their tendencies. So that's a great call out there. Do you, do you think um, – is it weird that Pat – like I feel like Pat would be a huge, a great, perfect fit in UNC's – system or or do i mean any system really yeah you take you pat's game as an nba game and that you can make that fit in any any system it's kind of weird that that duke and unc both whiffed on him duke is used to being able to to get in on guys late and still pull them like kesha stanley they got on on him really late and uh you know one of the the huge advantages that uh that Mike Krzyzewski has is, you know, being, being associated with team USA. So he gets, he, he always talks about his, his, his patriotic duty to America and coaching these, these, all these young five stars who are juniors in high school, mm-hmm. uh, you know, but the, but the, but the great thing is that even when Duke isn't, um, recruiting these guys directly he still gets tons of time you know during all of the the tryouts and the the practices and the games with the game's best players and so it's it's really weird that he he totally whiffed on one right you know right in his in his backyard you know maybe he was too busy doing the doing the uh, you know, saluting the flag or something to notice that that Patrick Williams was was a really great player right in his backyard. But he definitely whiffed. It's a good thing for Florida State. Uh, Patrick Williams kind of kind of a you know Florida State's had success recruiting North Carolina, so he's cer- certainly not the first guy, but he's 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 the best one. Yeah, he he has, and he's really started to come into his own a bit too. You're starting to see him, I think. Um, be maybe hunt that corner three a little bit more uh he's certainly been been aggressive uh on defense and and jumping passing lanes and getting blocked shots uh so I think you're really starting to see the game slow down a little bit for him and I'm excited to see what where his game might go over the next month um you know remains to be seen if we'll see him uh and Garnet and Gold for a sophomore year. I don't think it's impossible, but I'll tell you this, that Jim Laranega after the game today said, basically, you know, that that's a pro basketball player right there. Everything about his game is, is NBA. And that if, if Laranega was an NBA exec, he, he would be pounding the table to get that kid on his team. So, you know, take, take that comment for, for what it's worth. Um, maybe we'll shift gears here to just some news and notes uh, kind of, cover the the spectrum here uh you mentioned team usa 
so Scotty Barnes actually was announced that he he was gonna he was invited and will take part in the in the hoop summit coming up in April April, which is the USA versus the world basketball game. Is I believe he's the first uh recruit since John Isaac that Florida State has had in the hoop summit, right? Yeah. And um, it, 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 I think everybody knew he was going to make that team and he, 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 he made it. And so good for him. It's a, it's a, it's a Nike sponsored, um, event and he's going to a Nike school. So it's not, it's not a surprise that he's on the roster. It'll be, it'll be great to see, you know, how he plays. Uh, you know, he's obviously on a, on a totally loaded team with, with, uh, Cade Cunningham there at, at Montbird. But it'll be interesting to see how he plays with with you know Jalen Green and Kessler and and Evan Mobley and all the, all those guys you know that are the the top players in the in the nation and and you know is he able to uh, as a as a non dominant scorer like is he able to really um, you know flex his game I think he will do I think I think I think he's going to do a, a, a fantastic job and and uh, even though he's he's he probably won't lead Team USA in scoring ever um, he will uh, you know be one of the key players so it'll, it'll, it'll be it'll be fun to watch you know it is high school so you kind of got to take it with a grain of salt but yeah no for, yeah, that's for sure some of those games can uh, can can get rather sloppy at, at times I the I like that it's I really like what Hamilton's been doing lately, and, and I think CY has been a big influence here. But um, you know, grabbing a lot of these kids that are really Trent Forrest ranked, right? Like we're talking the the fifty to one fifty type of kids, and, and supplementing them with one John Isaac, one Pat Williams, one Dwayne Bacon, one Scotty Barnes a year. I mean, sure, sure, we'd love to have Pat stay next year and, and play with Scotty, but e- even if you don't, I, to build that kind of depth and consistency with some of the you know some of those mid four stars and, and find some gyms that didn't play the AAU circuit like Evan Vassell uh and Fiondu and then and then bring in that one kid now a year it seems like that is that upper echelon I think has made a huge difference in terms of our ability to to stay in that top you know five or six teams in the ACC and, and speaking of those uh, kind of 50 to 150 type kids, maybe, maybe even a little bit better than that, actually. Uh, we had a recruit at the, at the Miami blowout, right? The, the game today? Yeah, so, so Dallin uh, Coleman, he goes by Debo, Debo Coleman. He's one of the top 50 guys, and he's a junior, so top 50 guys in the, in the 2021 class. He's a Florida kid, so really important to uh, get you, – you, you, you don't want him to turn into Patrick Williams you know, and, and have, us, have us miss out on him. So it was, it was good to have him in. He visited Florida. This was an unofficial visit. He visited Florida last week. Um, they didn't have a game, so he was like there on a Sunday or something. Um, probably best to have him not there in a game, so they can, he can't watch them lose. So it was it was good to have have him there. And Florida State scored ninety nine points. He's a he's a shooting guard. He's a kind of the classic ham combo guard throwback, you know. In that he yeah. is, we we could turn him into a point guard. He's the not Isaiah a good, Swan model. Yeah, he's he's not a great shooter, but he's got a good stroke. So so hopefully that that three point thing will kind of come on. But yeah, he's a good player. He's he it's from from Callahan, so which is north of Jacksonville, I believe, like mm-hmm. right along the Georgia border. Yep. Yeah, so kind of a local kid, and and you in all the schools that you would expect um, are in on him. So all the all the schools in the south. 
uh, you know, Georgia Tech, Florida, Clemson, Alabama. The schools um, in the South below the UNC and Duke level, right? Exactly. Basically. Yeah. So yeah. it, you know, who knows if, if he's, you know, you know, obviously all, all, all high school kids want to be offered by everybody. And, um, but it, it's, it's hard to say at this point, if he's, um, you know, kind of looking in on one of these schools more seriously than others, or if he's still just, just slow playing and, and, and see what happens, which is my, my guess on where he's at right now. Even still, though, it's good. You can't – Jacksonville produces a decent amount of talent, and you can't not have kids like this come in, right? Like, I think it's a bad look to do the UNC Duke with Pat Williams where you, you don't really even pay attention to the kid until he's a senior year. And now that school out in West Charlotte kind of feels a little bit slighted, you know? So um, I think it's great to bring him in. Like you said, scored 99 points, made 13 threes, had a lot of high-flying dunks and alley-oops. So great, great game to be at. And, and really, it's just a sign. I mean, we had, we've had some top 50 kids now coming in for a few games. So that 2021 class, obviously, you need to start guy, uh, get guys putting pen to paper. But that class looks like it has the potential to at least continue the kind of uptick in talent that, that Leonard Hamilton and Stan and CY have been able to generate over the last few years. Um, one other, one other note here, and, and for a lot of you folks who also listen to the podcast and also head over to Tomahawk Nation, you may have seen that uh, Bud Elliott, the, the fearless founder of Tomahawk Nation, uh, announced that he is, is going to be leaving and, and taking a new adventure and, and a new challenge elsewhere. Um, Michael, I know you've been with, with Tomahawk for a long time. I, I, any just parting words or thoughts? No, I mean, I'll, I'll be excited to see what he's doing next. Good for him. You know, this this will not impact the the podcast in in any way. You know, Bud's kind of been one foot out the door for a while now, and the great you know the great thing is, is he, he's he always when I first started there. Ever since then, he's he's given me and then me and Matt like total control of the basketball coverage. So you know, it, we never had to worry about about anything with him and so so nothing's going to change you know 11 years ago there was there really was no basketball coverage at tomahawk nation because the the writer uh true cubby was his name he was, he was really good but but he took a, a job that he, he was no longer able to blog and so they had these uh you know fan posts and fan shots which are kind of marginalized over on the side of the page and anybody can write them and so I was just like, screw it. I'm just going to start. I'm just going to cover the basketball team through these fan shots. And people started paying attention. And then I get an email from Bud one day and the entire email said, you are now the basketball writer, Bud. And that, and that was it. <laughs> and so, you know, 11 years later, still here. I, I, uh, I snatched Matt up a couple of years after, after I started. So, um, yeah, it's, it's been a good run. So thanks, Bud, to, to allowing us to to do all the, all this fun stuff and Tomahawk nation's name and, and, you know, best of luck and, and whatever you're doing next. Yeah, no, well, well said, that's a good, good story. I, um, I will echo those thoughts and say, thanks for, for really, if, if you're listening, bud, thanks for always having that mind on the data, you know, the really data analysis and, and, a giving us carte blanche to do what we wanted to do with the basketball uh, side of things, and also, um, but keeping you know making sure that it was always with a data driven mindset, and that we were um, you know 
looking past just the standard uh, points per game and rebounds per game. So um, I thank you for the platform, and, and it's, it's been great to have it grow as, as Florida State's basketball program has, has grown to new heights. We will certainly be wishing you well in your, in your new venture. And I know sometimes, Bud, we bump into each other in airports as both of our uh, schedules have us traveling a lot. So if I, if I see you in ATL or other airports, uh, we'll, we'll grab a beer. Uh, all right. Other, other than that, so it's going to be a fun, should be a fun, we'll watch basketball the rest of the day, watch that Duke-UNC game, uh, and, and then come up with, with Duke-Florida State on Monday. Uh, for Michael, I am Matt, and we will we'll talk after the Duke game.